It's not enough to have our sins forgiven. We must stand before God in a righteousness that equals His. In the New Testament, we have a word called justification. For example, in Romans 5:1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Justification is a positive thing. God demands righteousness. And being God, and being a righteous God, the only righteousness that he will look upon is his own. How can God, a righteous God, declare sinners who are unquestionably guilty, how can God pronounce them righteous? Romans 3.21 says, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith in Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believeth. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. As you listen, you can expect the Word of the Living God to encourage, challenge, and comfort you. We live in difficult times, but we can expect our God to provide answers to the big questions in your life through His Word. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our study in this lesson now examines the doctrine of justification. Dr. Mitchell reviews redemption and the three things from which we have been redeemed. When he looks at the truth of justification, he notes that it's not enough to have our sins gone, which is a subtraction, but we must have an addition, God's own righteousness. So what does God do? Well, he adds Christ's righteousness to us. He adds his own holy righteousness so that we can stand with him on his own holy foundation. 2 Corinthians 5.21 for he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Let's turn to Romans chapter 5, verse 1 with Dr. Mitchell as he examines the doctrine of justification by faith, which is guaranteed by Jesus' resurrection from the dead. This is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. I've been following through some of these very simple doctrines, and I've been taking my time on this because... I not only want you to have an intellectual grasp of the truth, but I want the truth to live in you, and I want you to revel in it, the wonder of it. Indeed, I want you to fall in love with Jesus, God's wonderful Psalm, the Lamb of God that came to take away your sin by the sacrifice of himself. And we've been dealing in our lesson on this question, this great doctrine of redemption, which has to do with sin. This word redeem means to set free through the payment of a price. And the Lord Jesus was the one who ransomed us for the purpose of liberation. I'm not going to go over the past part of the lesson, except to point out 
that redemption is ours because of the cross, that he bought us for himself. He has a great personal interest in you and in me. And then we're redeemed freely. It didn't cost us anything. It cost God everything. Remember that. Remember that. It cost God heaven's best to redeem you and me from sin. And then we're redeemed eternally. Not just for a few years, not until I backslide, but eternally. Just as Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption. That is the day when our bodies will be redeemed. For don't you forget, my friend, when we speak of redemption, it takes the whole man in, body, soul, and spirit. I personally, as a person, I'm already redeemed. I've experienced redemption. I'm already redeemed and set free from the guilt and penalty of sin, from death and from hell. But I'm still in a body that's not yet redeemed. That's why I do some things I shouldn't do. That's why I think some things I shouldn't think, and so on. But the time is coming when my body is going to be redeemed. As Paul could say in Romans chapter 8, verses 20, Two through 23 when he says that we too, just like with all creation, are waiting for, to wait the redemption of the body. Oh, how glad I am when Christ died for you and for me. He died for the whole man, spirit, soul, and body. And we've been redeemed freely. We've been redeemed eternally. Thank God Christ died once for our sins. That means an eternal work. Now let me continue. There are three things from which we have been set free. We have been set free, I repeat it, from three definite things. For example, and of course you would expect this, we have been redeemed from sin. In Titus chapter 2, verse 14, He came, He gave Himself for our sins that He might redeem us out of all iniquity and purify unto himself a people for his possession. You have this wonderful thought. He's redeemed us, set us free from all iniquity that he might have for himself a real personal possession. That's why I said a while ago, he bought us for himself. You know, I, I can hardly get away from that wonderful truth when I think Lord bought me for himself. What in the world did God see in Mitchell? Well, what does God see in you? He saw something, my friend, and he showered his love upon you and upon me, and he bought us for himself, and he bought us with an eternal redemption, and he set us free eternally from the guilt and the penalty of sin. As I see in this verse, Titus 2.14, he gave himself for our sins that he might redeem us out of all iniquity, and purify unto himself a people for his possession. And remember, it's an eternal thing. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 4, he gave himself for our sins that he might redeem us from this present evil world, that he might loose us from this present evil age. It's an eternal thing. I will never again be under the bondage powers of hell, or 
the fear of death. Death is a defeated foe. And when Jesus Christ said to the people of his day, the Son of Man is come to be, not to be ministered down to, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom, a ransom for all. Oh, wonder of wonders. I feel like saying with David in 139 Psalm, this is too wonderful for me. It's just beyond me. But that is not of the fact. Even though it's beyond me, it doesn't alter the fact that he died to redeem you and me out of all iniquity and to redeem us from this present evil age. And then may I go on to redeem us from the law and its curse. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, Christ hath redeemed us, hath loosed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangeth on a tree. Now you, 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 model, you think about these things. Redeemed, loosed from sin, forever. Loosed from this present evil age, forever. Loosed from the law and its curse, forever. You see, well, in chapter 313 of Galatians, we've been redeemed from the curse of the law. But what about the law? Well, go to chapter 4 of Galatians, verses 4 and 5. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Now, tell me, how do I know this is all true? Man, you've been talking about something that's amazing, that's eternal, that's wonderful, how can you prove to me that it's true? I, I don't want to turn my back on all my good works and my religious exercises and all that I've built up through the years and turn back on that and just receive Jesus Christ simply as my Savior. What guarantee that he did put away my sin? What guarantee have you got that he bought you, that he loosed you? What guarantee can you give me that I'll never again be punished for my sins, that I'll never come under the bondage of death or of hell. My friend, of course, there's only one answer to that. God raised Jesus Christ from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and your hope might be in God. Isn't this what you have in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath begotten us again to a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead who by him do believe in God, who raised him from the dead, that your faith, that your hope might be in God. Oh, tell you, God doesn't leave anything to chance, not even to you. My brother in Christ, child of God, if it was only if God did 95% of the work, 98, 99% of the work, and left just 1% for you to do, you'd be lost. You couldn't do the 1% because you and I were totally hopeless and helpless. And because of this, God sent his son to be the redeemer. That's why we love to sing it. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed through his infinite mercy, his child, and forever I am. He bought us 
with an eternal redemption. Oh, hallelujah. What a Savior. What a Savior. What a Savior. Now, having said that, I would like to raise an issue. Now, you remember a few lessons ago, I said God is going to have a people in heaven. And certainly, he can't have a people who are dead in trespasses and sins, who are slaves to sin. So he must make provision to free them from sin, to free them from its bondage. All right, we have followed through the fact that we have received a divine pardon. Our sins and our iniquities will be remembered against us no more forever. We have been redeemed. We have been set free eternally from sin, from this evil world, from the law and its curse. Now then, I ask the question, will I be able then to stand in the presence of God? No. Not even with my sins gone? No. If that was all, no. Do you mean to tell me, sir, that if all my sins are forgiven, I still can't stand in the presence of God acceptably? That's right. That's right. That's right. Now, wait a minute. This is what you've been preaching. No, I've only been giving you part of it. I've got a long way to go yet. I want you to see what Christ did at the cross. I want you to appreciate what God did for you through his Son. Before you can stand before God, before a righteous God, you must also have righteousness. Now, I know you know the truth. I'm just breaking it up in little parts for you. We must have a righteous standing before God. It is not enough just to have our sins put away. Remember that man is without righteousness. In Romans chapter 3, 10 to 12, it says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. Isaiah 64, 6 says, Our righteousnesses are in God's sight as filthy rags. We don't have any. I say, is it not enough to have our sins forgiven and put away? No. God's holiness, God's holy character, demands righteousness. And by the way, God could have been very righteous in damning the whole human race. He would have still been righteous if you damned the whole race. And remember, there is only one righteousness in the universe, and that's God's. That's God's. Not legal righteousness. God's righteousness. In fact, I'm going to make this very, very simple, blunt statement. My friend, unless you have a righteousness that stands the test of divine holiness, you can't stand. Or putting it in a very simple way, your righteousness must equal, must equal the righteousness of God. Oh, but you say, sir, there isn't any such thing. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. 
there could only be one righteousness in the universe, and that's God's. Man doesn't have any. Man doesn't have any. God is the only one who's righteous. And if I'm going to be related to God, I must not only have my sins put away, blotted out, but I must have a righteousness that'll stand the test of God's righteousness. You know, in the New Testament, we have a word, a word called just justification. For example, in Romans 5, 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Do you know what justification is? Let me tell you what it's not first. Because preachers have a way of putting it this way, trying to make it simple, they miss the mark. They say to be justified means that we stand before God as if we had never sinned. That is not justification. That is redemption. Now, it's true that we stand before God as if we had never sinned, but that's innocency. Justification is a positive thing. God demands righteousness. And being a God, being God, and being a righteous God, the only righteousness that he will look upon is his own. Is his own. So I must have a righteousness that can cause me to stand before a righteous God. But God's holy character demands this. Now then, the question I raise is, how, how can a righteous God declare sinners righteous? I'll repeat the question. How can God, a righteous God, declare sinners who are unquestionably guilty, how can God pronounce them righteous? Now, he can't do this at the expense of his law. The law is holy, just, and good. The law demanded that sin must be punished. The law demanded righteousness, but didn't produce any and doesn't give you any. The law demands, doesn't supply. It demands. Uh, and, you know, we are unquestionably guilty sinners. We don't have any righteousness. And the law says you must die. You must die. You're sinners. You have no righteousness. Now, can God save us at the expense of his righteousness? No, of course not. He must save in righteousness. But how? But how? Ah, now we come to it. This was why Christ died. When Jesus died on the cross, he met every demand of the righteous character of God. And now when you and I accept the Savior, we know that the law of God can't point a finger at us. The law of God, which is holy and just and good, can't judge us because Christ has met every demand of the law for us. Where did he do that? At the cross. The law says you must die. I can't get out of it. I must die. Or somebody else must die for me, must die in my place. 
And Jesus Christ, the righteous one, died for me, the unrighteous one. What for? That God might make us the righteousness of God in him. And let me, let me remind you, Romans 3.21, let me give you a few scriptures here. Romans 3.21 says, But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith in Jesus Christ. It's unto all, and it's upon all them that believeth. The righteousness of God is upon all them that believeth. In 1 Corinthians 1.30, I read, For of him are you in Christ Jesus. I'm talking about Christians who are in Christ Jesus. He has been made unto us in the wisdom of God. He has been made unto us righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Philippians chapter 3, Paul says, I'm going to be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but the, the righteousness of God, which is by faith. And in Romans chapter 10, verse 4, may I quote verse 3 to pick up the connection, where the apostle says concerning the Jews, going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. I tell you, it's an amazing thing. Listen, friend, this is not something that God does in you. This is something that God has done for you. It's not what you do. It's what God has done. You mean to tell me, sir, that when I come and put my trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior, that that very moment God covers me with the righteousness of Christ? That's right. That's right. As dear John Bunyan said, my righteousness is at the right hand of God, where my good works can't help it and where my failures don't hurt it. Christ is our righteousness. So I come back to my original question. It's not enough to have our sins forgiven. We must stand before God in a righteousness that equals his. Thank God when you and I accept the Savior, we're covered with all the righteousness of Christ. Let me say, my friend, I'm talking to you today and you're trying to be religious and good and you're trusting these things. Why don't you just stop your deadly doing and just put your trust in Jesus Christ, God's Son? Now, why don't you do that? And being justified, being declared righteous by faith, you will have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Wonder, wonder of wonders, that Jesus should love me and Jesus should love you. And he does love you. And he proved it by dying for you. Now accept him. And the Lord bless you. It is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. My soul.
trust that your hearts have been blessed and encouraged through the study of God's Word. You may write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. The Unchanging Word. And so until next time, this is The Unchanging Word radio broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.